Great, thank you. Hey, this works. Hey, good morning. Thanks for being here. My name is Nathan Allen. I'm the global pastor at New Heights, and welcome to Global Sunday. Special shout out to our student ministry that's in here with us. Glad you guys are here. Um, Hey, I want to tell you, uh, a month ago, I was in North Africa. I say that just to impress you. And uh, no, we were there actually to visit our global workers that are there long term. And you know, these trips are always really draining. It's really hard, but it's awesome just to encourage them and pour into them and bless them. And when we're there, we always say, hey, we want to spoil you. We want to do something fun. We want to see where you live and where you work and what your ministry's like, but we want to do something fun, like plan a day trip or something. And so we're in Morocco and we're visiting our worker, Hayden Sewell. And we're like, Hayden, what do you have planned for us? We got to give him a whole, a whole suitcase full of stuff from his community group, which is really cool, gifts that they brought him. And we're like, Hayden, Hayden, what's the plan? And he said, we booked a tour and we're driving several hours in the middle of the Sahara Desert to visit an ancient walled city. And we're like, okay, that sounds fun. He goes, by the way, uh, I invited 15 Muslim college students to go with us. And we're like, okay, ministry time with Hayden. Here we go. So we jump in the van. We ride for hours. We pass camels. We pass goats and trees. Okay, that's a thing there. And so we finally get into this walled city and we get out and we just start walking around. We're talking to the students. They all, most of them all speak really good English. We're looking at the shops and buying things and taking pictures. And eventually we all kind of pair off. And I meet this guy named Ahmed. And Ahmed and I make a, you know, we start chatting. He's a really nice guy. And we start walking through the streets together. And eventually, we find ourselves down this long cobblestone alley. And as we're walking, it's just me and him. And he stops me and he looks both directions. And then he goes, come here. And he whispers in my ear, I'm a Christian. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm a Christian. And I was blown away because Ahmed is a Christian in a Muslim family, in a Muslim tribe, in a Muslim people group, in a Muslim country. The Berbers of North Africa are are 99.99% Muslim. And Ahmed is literally one in a million. And so I said, like, as I'm sitting there with Ahmed, this phrase comes to mind. Like, why are we here? It's because we're proclaiming God's kingdom where it's not. We are taking God's kingdom where it is not. That is the whole purpose. That is the exact task that God has given the church today. That we're taking the gospel to hard places. Jesus has commanded that we do this. That we make disciples of all nations. And he has promised that it will happen. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This party's not over until we reach all the nations, all the peoples. And so, you know, I was thinking about this verse last week when we were in this gym, Resurrection Sunday. For those of you who were here, like, it was an awesome time. I mean, everyone, hands up, worshiping and praising God, celebrating the gospel and the resurrection. Like, I'm in the back in tears, just everyone praising God for the gospel that he sent Jesus, his perfect son, even though all of us are lost and cut off from God and deserve his, our just punishment, he sent Jesus to be perfect, to be our example, to go and die on the cross and then be resurrected three days later, defeating death. And if you believe and put your faith and trust that he did that for you, you are now bought back and you're in his family. And now you have purpose and you're a part of what he's doing to reach all the world. 
Is that not an awesome story? Can I get an amen from somebody? Like, man, that is the gospel, right? And here's the thing. As I was sitting in the gym and we're all celebrating the resurrection, I was sobered by the fact that 40% of the world was not celebrating the resurrection. And it's not because they have a choice. Over 40% of the world is completely cut off from the gospel. They have known no Christians. There's no Bible in their language. There are no churches. There are no people trying to reach them. We call them unreached people groups. And, you know, a lot of times Christians love to talk about the second coming of Jesus. But most of the world hasn't even heard of his first. And Jesus has promised we will reach all nations before the end comes. And so all that 40%, if that's going to stay the same unless something changes, Okay, And if we're going to take the kingdom where it's not, there are two things that every person in this room can do to take the kingdom where it's not. Two things. All of us can do this. The first thing is to be a seer. A seer. Um, that spelling's not wrong or something. I kind of made this up. Okay, So what do I mean by being a seer? A seer is always looking for the nations that God has brought from a different people or place where there is no church in hopes that you might befriend them, love them, and then share the gospel with them. Let me read that again. What is a seer? A seer is someone who is always looking for the nations God has brought from a people or a place where there is no church in hopes that you might befriend them, love them, and then share the gospel with them. That is a seer. It's someone who is awake to the nations around them. They're looking. They're trying to see the nations there. And I say this because we live in a globalized world. Listen, if you're an American Christian in the 21st century, you have more access to more peoples from more more nations than any other Christian in history. Is that not amazing? As an American Christian in the 21st century, you have more access to more peoples from more places than all of history. And so we live in this globalized world. A great example of this, okay, when we got back from our trip, when out from North Africa, you know, my brother picked me up at the airport because XNA is, might as well be in Oklahoma. And so um, he picked me up and on the way home, he says, hey, Serena wants me to pick up some grocery things. So let's swing by the grocery store. I said, okay. So we're in the grocery store and we're walking around. He's like, tell me about your trip. And of course we're Alan. So he's like, tell me about the food. And so we start talking about the food from around the world. And I'm like, you know, Morocco thinks they have, they, they have the best couscous and Tunisia thinks they have the best couscous. And we're talking about it. And as we're there, some guy across the produce section goes, Hey, are you talking about Tunisia? And he like runs over to us. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, I'm from Tunisia. I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, I grew up in Seuss and I work in LA, but we're here doing a project for work. And so we talked about Tunisia and how cool the country was and everything. And I was just blown away. You know, like my grandparents grew up in Coffeyville, Mississippi. And I don't know if they've ever met a Muslim, but today they're in the grocery store. Like we live in a globalized world and A seer is awake to the nations around them. They're trying to see, God, you have put people here. And and Paul talks about this in Acts 17. In Acts 17, as he's preaching at Mars Hill, I've read this, guys, I don't know how many times, and this finally hit me just a few weeks ago. Paul is preaching this sermon to these people from other nations, and he says this, God made man, one man from every nation from mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined and allotted the periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. God has brought the nations here 
so that we might reach them, so that they might seek God. And a seer is aware of this. I was just told of a story just this week of a, of a man named Ryan in Colorado. And Ryan, as a Christian, he was in real estate and he was planning to be a seer. Okay, see the nation. So he would, as a real estate guy, he's always working in coffee shops, walks into a new coffee shop one day and he looks around and says, hey, no one looks like me and is talking like me. And so he stays around and starts talking and realizes, he gets his latte, oh man, all these guys are from Somalia. And there's all these Somalian refugees and he's in like a Somalian coffee shop. And he's like, okay, new favorite coffee shop. This is awesome. And so every day he's showing up to the Somalian coffee shop. And one day he walks in and there's all these elders of the Somalian community that are, that are sitting there in their chairs. And they're like, Ryan, come here, come here. And he sits down and he starts talking with them. And he says, hey guys, what, what do you miss from Somalia? And all of them together go, camel milk. And he's like, dude, I didn't even know camels made milk. What's camel milk, you know? And he starts talking and they're going nuts. They're like, man, we grew up on it. It's so good. It's so good for you. You know, it, it, all these great benefits and everything. And he's like, being the businessman he is, he's like, hey, there's a market for camel milk. And this leads Ryan down a path of starting the camelmilkcompany.com. And he has created this camel company where they get camel milk. Now, now don't miss the point. This is a hilarious story, okay? But don't miss the point. Ryan now has influence in the Somalian community like no other Christian does, right? Because he was a seer. He was looking for the nations and how can I serve them? And he created this camel milk company and now these people will have access to influence to someone who knows the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And so you can be a seer. If you are a seer, you're helping to take the nations where it's not. And everyone in this room can do that. The second thing that we have to do is not just be a seer, but be a sender. Not just be a sender, uh, a seer, but be a sender. You know, being a sender means uh, someone who provides financial, spiritual, and emotional support for those proclaiming the gospel where it's not. So there's someone who's providing financial, spiritual, and emotional support for, taking, for the people taking um, the gospel where it's not, taking God's kingdom where it's not. And so there's a lot of verses in scripture that talk about giving. And there's a lot about being senders. But my favorite passage about being a sender is way at the back of your Bible in 3 John. If you open up to Revelation and then just go left, uh, that's where the book of 3 John is. It's teeny. It's like three paragraphs long. To be honest with you, you probably have never read it. It's just like this one little letter. John is writing to this other church elder saying, hey, there's missionaries coming and you need to support them. And so we're going to go through that this morning. If you want to open to 3 John, we're going to unpack this, this passage starting in, in verse 5. John says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. He starts off by saying, this is just a faithful thing you do. I love that he's like, hey, if you follow Jesus, this is just part of what we do. It's just part of being, the, being a believer. It's just supporting workers. It's a faithful thing you do just supporting these people. It's assumed, it's not taught. Hey, we send, we support, and we send. You know, instead of thinking, I'm not a missionary and I can spend whatever I want. He's saying, man, we, it's a faithful thing to be a sender. Next he says, um, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, even though they're strangers, you don't know them, you need to support them. And so just, pause for a moment. Just look around the room. 
Do you see all of the flags that are hanging around the room? These flags represent the countries where our workers are around the world. Can you name them? Probably not. They're probably strangers to you. New Heights is a big church. We have 63 workers, okay, in 25 countries. That's a lot of people. And you know what God's word says? It doesn't matter if you don't know them. It doesn't matter if they're strangers. They shouldn't stay strangers. You should get to know them and love on them. We'll have a chance this morning to meet some of our workers in the back today. But, man, it doesn't matter if they're strangers. You need to support them. Why? Because they're taking the kingdom where it's not. He goes on to say, in verse 6, these, these workers, even though they're strangers, they testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Isn't that interesting? In a manner worthy of God. He doesn't say, hey, send them in a manner worthy of your budget. Or in a manner worthy of what you can. He says, in a manner worthy of God. Man, that's powerful. If Jesus were to show up to your community group this week and he were to say, hey guys, I've got plans. We're taking got my, the kingdom around the world and there's this awesome ministry we're doing and we're going to this place. Would you, support my, would you support my ministry? Would you join my team? What would you say? Yes, Jesus. What would you give him? Everything. Jesus, whatever you need in a matter worthy of God, I will support you, right? And that's what he's asking us to do. And so many times, I mean, this is tough to give and support these workers. But man, he's asking us to do it in a matter worthy of God. You know, and this reminds me of my friend Joe. Joe was a missionary in Afghanistan. And when Joe was coming home, he, uh, you know, had to get around and have meetings with supporters and other work things and go around and visit different churches. And so he emailed all his supporters. He's, he's from Conway. He emailed all of his supporters and said, hey, guys, I'm going to be home for like two weeks. Does anyone have like an extra car I can borrow for some of that time? And, and one family uh, emailed them back immediately. Hey, we got you covered. And so they pick up Joe at the airport and they drive him to their house and they open the garage to see a cherry red convertible Corvette. And he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they're like, hey, the mechanic told us this car has to be driven and we need you to drive it. And so, you know what? What I love about that story is they didn't say, hey, take our rusted out 1986 Corolla, okay, with french fries under the seats. No, they gave them the best they had. Right? They wanted to bless his socks off. Send him in a manner worthy of God. And so, man, you may not have a nice car and you can't give one up to a worker. That's fine. But what, is God, what do you have? How can you bless those people in a manner worthy of God? You know, here's the thing. This is really hard. Like, this is hard for Holly and I. Like, we want to give faithfully to New Heights every month, but we get a lot of requests from lots of workers. And, you know, like, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. There's tension, Right? I want to buy nice things for myself, but at the same time, like, I want to give to things that are eternal and that will last forever. And it's hard living in this culture. And so we need to ask the Spirit, God, would you come in and guide our giving? Would you lead us to give in a matter worthy of you? And so we need to give in a matter worthy of God. And guys, here's my favorite part. This is my favorite part, verse 8, down at the bottom. Therefore, We ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers. Isn't that cool? I saw read some translations that said co-equal partners. Man, if you send and support missionaries, 
you're not a second class Christian. You're not a B team, JV. You're not an ATM for missionaries, okay? You are a co-equal partner in kingdom work. Workers need the support, the care, the ministry. They need people praying for them, giving to them, providing for their needs so they can do the ministry and take God's kingdom around the world. And it, you, they, we need co-equal partners, people to be a part of sending the church. And if you're a sender, man, you are a co-equal partner. You're a fellow worker in the truth. And when I think of this, I think of my friend Josh Cox. When I first met Josh in college, he wanted to be in the Middle East. He still does. He was always hanging out with Muslim international students. He was always doing stuff. He wanted to be in the Middle East. Fast forward to today, he's still in Fayetteville. He's still a part of New Heights Church, and he's a vendor selling turkey to Walmart, okay? And do you know what? They're still welcoming international students. They're still sacrificially giving. I meet with global workers all the time. They're like, hey, we met with the Coxes. They're, they're on our support team. And here's what's really fun. They're not, they don't know I'm talking about them this morning and they're not even here because they're using their vacation time to go overseas to visit workers to bless them. Is that not awesome? They are living the identity of being a seer and a sender and they are doing their part. And they know, hey, just because we're not overseas yet, that's not my identity. I'm a part of the kingdom and they're doing a great effort right where they're at. And you know, there are a lot of things we can do. Everyone in this room can be a seer and a sender. And uh, where's Jenny and Sean? Where are they at? Here they are. Here they're coming. Okay, I thought one of the best things we could do this morning to learn how to be better senders is to ask some goers. And so this is Sean and Jenny Richards. And uh, Sean, all through college and even today, everyone thinks we're twin brothers, okay? Uh, we look very similar. We even sound similar. Uh, and... Uh, Man, they're great long friends, and uh, they live in Papua New Guinea, uh, just north of Australia, on an island, and Sean, this is their family, their three boys, they live there in their home on, on a furlough. Uh, guys, tell us about where you live. Okay, well, so yes, we live in Papua New Guinea, and more, we've been there for about four years, and more specifically, we live on this volcanic island called Monum, and it's home to the Monum people group, over 20,000 speakers, and... Um, they don't have that's, a, that's your house right there, right? That's our house, yep, with the volcano in the background. Yeah, so that's not a cloud <laughs> on the mountain. That's a volcano. Correct. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's just different than Arkansas. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, so tell, what are you doing there? Tell us about your ministry. What's your plan to be there? So we are learning the language and culture right now of the Mana people. And um, uh, we live there on the island and... Um, our, our goal with God's help is to plant a mature, self-sustaining indigenous church and translate the Bible for them in their language because so, they don't have that. So. You are learning their language to translate the Bible in their language to plant a self-sustaining church. Yeah, our end goal is to see a mature church that's functioning without the need of missionaries being there. Um, I, I always tell the people, like, my goal isn't to be a pastor of a monum church. My goal is to plant a monum church and to leave and to be able to stand on its own with God's word being their authority and the Holy Spirit working in their lives. That's awesome. That's awesome. Where are you in that process? Currently, we're about one-third of the way through with learning culture and language. So we've got another year to year and a half of studying before we can begin uh, work on translation and developing lessons and teaching. Gotcha. That's an intense process. Yeah. yeah. 
They've been through lots of training and, and now they're doing it. It's awesome. Uh, so is your time being global workers on the field, what are some ways you've seen people send you in a manner worthy of God? Um, one thing that's been really encouraging is seeing a lot of our supporters who look at this the way that we look at it, that um, they're not saying, we you know, we're going to give for a couple of years, but they're looking at it as this is a task commitment like we are. Um, they're not looking at a time limit or anything like that. They're trusting the Lord as we're trusting the Lord. Um, and so in that way, they are those like co-workers, those equals in ministry with us because they're locked in trusting the Lord to see this work happen, to see this task completed. Um, I've got one story of a, of a young couple right out of college. They got married and they came on our support team sacrificially. They're paying off their student loans like crazy. Um, they're working really hard to be wise stewards of their finances. They pay off the student loans. They save up for a down payment to buy their first home. And before they take on that mortgage... They call us up and say, hey, we're doubling our support because as we are growing as a family and how God is blessing us, we want to grow our investment in the Great Commission and we want to continue this partnership and be an extension of the, or be a part of the work that you're doing. Yeah, awesome. amen. That's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, some other things that really are encouraging to us is, uh, you know, you send out email newsletters and when people just simply reply back, um, so if you get those newsletters, remember this, missionaries, we're isolated, we're by ourselves. Uh, literally, we just talk to each other. And so any interaction from the outside is incredible. <laughs> um, but you don't know how encouraging it is when we send those out with just even this short response. Read this, praying. You don't even have to use full sentences, <laughs> like bad grammar, capitalization, doesn't matter. It just, that, that reply is awesome. Even if you just replied with a check mark emoji, <laughs> it would be cool. Um, but yeah. that that that's in a way that um, it just encourages us along the route. Um, you know, in other things too, uh, people sometimes send care packages, and that just is a huge encouragement to missionaries on the field. Getting those packages, especially, and this might seem counterintuitive, when you reach out to the missionary ahead of time to see what it is that they can't get in their country um, and what what it would remind them of home, encourage them, um, and doing that, sending it to them, it's a huge blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what are just, you already gave some great examples, replying to emails, faithfully giving. What are some extra, just great practical suggestions? How can we grow in being better senders? Yeah, I mean, I think the word to look at that is grow. You know, as you're seeking to grow in your walk with the Lord, you're trying to increase the way that you pray. You're trying to increase in the way that you're trusting God with relationships, sharing the gospel, your time in the word. In the same way, ask the Lord to grow you in your commitment to the Great Commission, to seeing his name glorified amongst every tribe, tongue, and nation. So think of it this way, wherever you're at, plus one. Right, So if right now you're not doing anything, you're just kind of hearing about missions, sometimes you talk about how it's really important, well, take that next step and start subscribing to missionaries that you know, or even that you don't know, reading their emails and praying for them. Um, and if you're already doing that, take the next step. Go a step further and start giving. And if you're already giving, ask the Lord how he might grow you in your ability to give and ask how you can continue to live sacrificially for his glory. Because um, as people do that, as you do that, you're never going to have regrets. The truth is, when, when this is all finished, when Christ is back, no one's going to be sitting there thinking, oh, man, I wish I would have done less. You yeah. know, it's always worth the investment. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for what you're doing. Thanks for being here, taking part. Can we give him a hand? Thank you so much.
So, Sh Sean and Jenny, uh, they'll have a table in the back, and you can come talk to them later. But uh, they're, they'll be here for a few more months before they go back for a, a much longer long-term thing. Uh, but Sean and Jenny are just two of our 63 workers around the world. So we've created this video uh, just to highlight our workers and where they are around the planet. Yeah, there. Well, in a second, we'll have a time to encourage them. But I just want to end with a story. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris uh, burned down tragically, and uh, that what was really amazing to me. I did some study, and it turns out that they started construction on Notre Dame in 1163, over 850 years ago. They started building that church, and. Before the next day, before the coals are even cold, over $1 billion was raised to rebuild that church. Over $1 billion was raised to rebuild a church building where the church has been for over 850 years. And there are still places on the planet where the church is yet to go. And if you look at all the financial giving, a charitable giving by evangelical Christians, 0.03% goes to church planning among unreached peoples, taking the kingdom where it's not. And I just want to say to New Heights Church right now, you're not the problem, you're the answer. So many people in this church are sacrificially giving and sending and supporting and taking care of our workers and budgeting and being wise stewards so we can give and invest. And we want you to. We need you to faithfully give to New Heights so we can support our workers and do all these kingdom things. And we need you to continue to support our people around the globe. And you know what? We're going to have an opportunity to do that right now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and close this out and then we'll uh, sing one song and then we'll have a time to send, be practicing senders, because around the room we have tables, and you can see the signs in different places. It has prayer requests of our workers, and you can go and write an encouragement note to them. Now, here's the thing. Last service went so great, we completely ran out of notes, okay? What an awesome problem, right? But we need you, so we've cut out paper. It looks not as cool as the pink note cards, okay? But go write a note, and if you will at least put on that paper who it's going to, we'll put it in an envelope. We've run out of envelopes, okay? This is awesome. Uh, so go send an encouragement note. And then in the back, uh, we have a lot of tables of our workers. You can go talk to them and pray for them and bless them. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. But before that, let me pray. We'll sing a song, and then we will we'll worship God, and then we'll write some encouragement notes. Let me pray right now. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for Third John. God, him being obedient to write, to encourage us, to give faithfully to strangers in a matter worthy of God that we might be co-equal workers, that we might be partners in the truth. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of your kingdom. And God, I pray right now, Psalm 67 over this church. Father, I pray that you would be gracious to us. I pray that you would be good to us. You would bless us. You would make your face shine on us so that your name may be known all over the earth. Your saving power among all nations. God, would you bless us so we can reach the end of the world for the good news of the gospel. God, would you use us by being seers and senders and even goers to take the kingdom where it's not. God, you don't have to use us. We get to be used by you and your work. What an awesome blessing. 
God, we pray that we would, you would use us as seers and sinners for your glory. And I pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to stand as we sing.